Hi there, a quick note before we begin the episode. Did you know that Atlas Lingue has its own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life. In this audiobook, we share additional exclusive commentaries on each episode with brand new insights and examples on the subject that we can't stop thinking about, how humans translate everything that comes their way. Also remember, when you buy Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. So find Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life, on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Salut. Hi, I speak English and French. Ciao, parlo italiano e inglese. Anyone who's stepped foot in an American public school or turned on an American television channel in the last 30 years will probably immediately recognize two very simple words. Got milk. Your favorite celebrities staring you down across the cafeteria with that thin white milk mustache above their top lip is hard to forget. What's even harder to forget, though, is the first time I saw the ad in Spanish. Let's just say that asking someone, ¿Tienes leche? doesn't sound like you're concerned about their calcium intake, and that many a Latina mother was offended by the intrusive question. It gave us teenagers a good chuckle, but the company quickly caught on and switched their ads to the much more appropriate Familia, Amor y Leche. Family, Love, and Milk. Of course, this isn't the only international marketing blunder I've heard of, Apparently, the slogan, come alive, you're in the Pepsi generation, made the false promise to the Chinese market that Pepsi brings your ancestors back from the grave. Coca-Cola had a similarly difficult first run in China, making the mistake of translating their brand phonetically into Chinese as Coca-Cola, which translates to the nonsensical phrase, bite the wax tadpole. Luckily, they eventually managed to find the much better version, Coca-Cola, which roughly translates to the much more fitting happiness in the mouth. Almost everyone appreciates the best, and the bright tang of Coke is always welcome after a busy day of shopping. With so few words to get a message across, how do companies market their products in several different languages? While the words may differ, are there any themes in advertising campaigns that translate across all cultures? What is the secret to successfully translating an ad campaign? 
Welcome to Atlas Lingue, a show where we talk about languages, about the joyful, the challenging, and the joyfully challenging aspects of everyday communication. I'm Luis Lopez, and today we're going to talk about slogans internationally. I guess this is the art of storytelling. There is no real recipe here. This is Angeliki Nikolinako. She's an expert in strategy marketing who's focusing her research on the role of the media in the world of advertising. We all have the same motivations. Maybe some motivations are stronger for some people. Some of the motivations are, are you know, less relevant to, to other people, depending on their personality. But the purpose of advertising is to elicit these motivations that we have in relation to the brand in order to motivate us to choose the brand, to think that, you know, that if I choose this brand, I will satisfy these motivations. So that is the main, this is art, you know, how you do it. There is no real recipe in that. Of course, you have to, as I said, tap into the motivation. You have to use emotion, elicit emotions. Joy is a very common emotion in advertising and is used a lot in advertising. I guess because it's a very uh, gratifying emotion. Everyone wants to feel a joy. As well as, I would also say, surprise. Because surprise is inherent to storytelling, so there must be some element of surprise in an ad in order to catch your attention and to to keep watching. And I would say that, I mean, all emotions are used in advertising. It kind of depends on the positioning, on the desired positioning of the brand uh, in the markets and the motivation that you, that as an advertiser, you need to, to tap into. So if a brand wants to thrive, it needs to be human which means that people need to have the possibility of empathizing with it. It's not just experiencing in relation to the ad, it's about experiencing in relation to the brand. As advertisers, what they want to do is convince the consumer that when you choose the brand, you're going to be experiencing this emotion and it's going to satisfy this motivation. So. I will have a sense of pride when I'm driving BMW and I will also like feel that, okay, I feel successful when I drive it. So we create like a memory by watching the ad, a memory that relates to the brand. And this memory, when we are, you know, thinking about choosing a brand in that product category, then we, this memory is drawn and influences us. I think some of the best examples of this are brands that have been around for so long or have become so globally successful that their advertisements no longer focus on the products themselves, but rather on the feelings they want you to associate with their products. And what better example of that than... Coca-Cola. For a long time now, they've no longer needed to describe their product to you, or give you any specific reasons to buy it. You already know what it tastes like, and they know you know. So they can focus on other things and make the classic feel-good commercials we now associate with the brand. So a good advertisement is one that knows how to hit an emotion. But is there anything that companies should or shouldn't do to make sure their slogans will be well-received around the world? All the statistics show that if you translate your content 
you've got a much higher likelihood of completing sales. This is Wendy Pease, owner and president of Rapport International, a translation and interpretation services company specializing in marketing, aka someone whose job it is to answer questions like mine. Number one is absolutely do not use machine translation like Google Translate. You can't do it. Find an agency that provides human translation. Do not go to an agency that does machine translation with post-human editing. One example that I like is Mazda had their slogan, Jimba Ite, for their cars when they came out. And what this feeling captures is this horseback rider that's an archery warrior who's flying across the plains. He's one with the horse, ready to shoot. You know, the arms are up in the ready position. And so it's just that moment where everything is in sync. You saw how many words it took me to explain Jimba Ite. There's no translation for it. And if they put Jimba Ite, you know, as the tagline in the United States, who knows if people could ever remember it? So the first time that I popped that into Google Translate, it came out with danger. <laughs> I don't think you'd want a car whose slag, you know, tagline is danger. The second time I put it in, it came out as one horse. Again, you know, if you're looking for a strong car or a car that moves, you're not looking for a one horse car. <laughs> so that's the problem with using machine translation is it just can't capture the essence of what you might be trying to say. So it sounds like we'll need a better method than just pop it into Google Translate and run with it. Number two, you want to have a translator that's fully bilingual and understands the nuances of the language to do it um, and also understands marketing, that it's not just meaning, but it's also message that needs to get across. One of the favorite stories that I like is we were working with Staples. For anybody listening that doesn't know Staples, they are a large office product store in the United States, and they went through global expansion a few years back, and they had a slogan that said, make more happen. They wanted to be able to bookend the more and then take the more out and put other things in there. So it's make work happen, make play happen, make refrigerator art happen. Well, in the United States, refrigerator art is that art that your children do that you're so proud of and you hang it on the refrigerator like an art gallery to show it off. Well, the French translator got it and she said, you know, refrigerators in France are for keeping your food cold. We don't hang our kids' artwork on the refrigerator. So refrigerator art doesn't make sense. Just culturally, it doesn't make sense. And they had a, a bunch of different slogans that they were using for that. So they just said, well, we won't use that in France. Another issue that we ran into with translation, translating the slogan was that make blank happen was bookended in the United States. You could do that. But when you did the translation, the words didn't bookend like that. So you had to capture the essence and the meaning of it 
rather than matching the formula that they were using in the original language. So in this case, the slogan was deemed too challenging to translate, both grammatically and culturally. Clearly, when translating a slogan, being literal doesn't always work. We need to make sure we prioritize the message. But how do we do that? Wendy already gave us steps one and two. Any other tips? Number three is test it. My advice is that you just don't run out and say, we need to get this translated. The best is to first look at what your company goals are. So if your corporate goals are set and it's to open one new market, then that's creating a vision as to what you want to do. Next, you have to have your marketing plan. And then another thing is is just test it with any of your employees or distributors or people who might be in market and have some emotional connection to it because they may have some input that, you know, would make it more comfortable for them. I love the story from Pepperidge Farms. They make cookies. Mix real fruit filling with flaky croissant pastry. And what do you get? And they have a lot of Spanish speakers that work on their floor making the cookies. And marketing couldn't figure out why Spanish speakers weren't buying their cookies. And the people on the floor said, well, you don't make our favorite flavor, which is strawberry. And so Pepperidge Farms started making a strawberry flavored cookie. And all of a sudden, Spanish speakers started buying them more. You know, funnily enough, strawberry is, in fact, my favorite cookie flavor. So Wendy led us through a process that clearly shows how picking the right words actually improves marketing. Once you have the slogan, and more importantly, once you properly translate the core of its message to different languages, you are actually able to create a thriving market. I did some research a couple years ago about companies who are diverse and they have a much easier time hiring because you get all sorts of people that want to work there because they're recognized for their contributions rather than for what they look like or the politics they can play. And they also found out that those companies are more profitable and they do better and they're more creative on the, the scales that they measure. So diversity seems to be a successful tool for a company that wants to spread its message worldwide. If you think about it, it makes sense that 73% of consumers are more likely to buy a product and perhaps even spend more money on it if it has information in their own language. Sometimes you've got a CEO that's more global in vision. And so he'll say, okay, we're expanding to a new country. Other times companies do a real good analysis of where the best market is. Um, And there's all sorts of supports to help companies do that through the governments because they like to increase international trade. I see some millennials that have lived internationally for a school exchange program. And so they immediately start out with, I'm going to be global. And just because they're ambitious about conquering the global market doesn't mean they're immune to the challenges of reaching different regions, populations, or cultures. I would say brands should avoid approaching the new market with a 
uh, what we call the ethnocentric tendency. This word actually means that you assume what strategy works in your home country are superior and are the golden standard and will work in the other country as well. So particularly, a deep knowledge of the local culture and the language will go a long way. This is Annie Peng Kui, a professor of marketing at West Virginia University. Her research focuses on how companies can most effectively introduce their brands to the global marketplace. I think the most important tip about marketing in a foreign country is probably to understand the local culture and do not assume what works in the home country will work globally. It seems that in the process to go global, much like in any translation process, you never only work with the words themselves. You always have to deal with cultural differences as well. Pardon me, but you own a Chevy Nova, is that right? Should we change it for 1970s? There's a classic example when Chevy Nova introduced their brand to Spanish-speaking countries. The brand name actually sounds like no-go, right? Oh, I see what happened here. In Spanish, no consumer wants to buy a car que no va. And sometimes even this kind of blunder happens within the same language. Uh, for example, Domino's Pizza once used its slogan, one call does it all in the UK, without realizing that the word call in British English actually means a personal visit. So the UK consumers are completely confused by this slogan. Apparently, the US and the UK understand each other better through pizza than through English. So, are there any universal concepts we can all understand? Like the joy of eating pizza? In general, there are some concepts I think would cut for universal meaning, like pursuit of happiness. No matter where you are, you have this kind of a pursuit for happiness. Or the pursuit of pizza. Okay, I'll stop. But are there any examples of slogans that really nail the global message? Another example I could think of is like the pursuit of happiness example by McDonald's, right? So I'm loving it. I'm happy. I'm enjoying my meal at the same time, enjoying my life. So those kind of uh, slogans will work very well globally. Some good examples are Nike's Just Do It, right? So this concept is really easy to understand and it's powerful and also it transcends different cultural uh, nuances. But wait a minute, wait a minute. I remember that in February 2021, Nike introduced a shoe line called Cosmic Unity with a very weird slogan. Let trash do the talk. Uh, so the primary intention was to focus on the sustainability and how this product is using its recycled materials and helping the environment. However, when it's translated in Chinese, the sustainability focus was completely lost. It actually sounds something like only let the trash talk, which sounds very proactive to the Chinese netizens uh, who started to lashing out at the slogan immediately. It's clear to me now, when you try to go global, there will always be obstacles. And for this, Annie has another example of the same product being perceived very differently in the US and China. And it's an example I quite like, as you're about to find out. The example I want to give here is Pizza Hut. 
Okay, I lied. We weren't done with pizza. But hey, I'm hungry. So I know that Pizza Hut is a global brand, right? But your experience with Pizza Hut all over the world will be vastly different. For example, if you go to Pizza Hut in China, you actually will be waiting for up to 30 minutes to be seated.、Uh, and the location of Pizza Hut is normally in the most high-end、um, shopping malls, and there's this very stylish、uh, decor, and the service is impeccable. Once we had friends coming from China visited us, and they have a seven-year-old son who insisted that we go to Pizza Hut for dinner one night. And I warned him that it's not the same Pizza Hut as in China, right? He didn't believe believe me, and、um, to see that he was utterly disappointed is the understatement.、Uh, and we end up not having pizza that night. <laughs> well, I hope that after the disappointment of the pizza, you at least got him some ice cream. One of the slogans they use in China and. Many Asian parts of the world is if you love her, treat her Hagendas. Ah, Hagendas, macadamia nut is my favorite, by the way. So they try to connect emotions and love with their brand offering, so that people feel special when they're going to a Hagendas restaurant. The brand was able to leverage on this feeling from the consumers. Which brings us back to where we started. Feelings, emotions. If you think about it, a slogan can be well translated and well spread globally, and hopefully, it will also nail the market. But if its message doesn't properly communicate the emotion that it wants to arouse, it will most likely remain on the surface and not really conquer people's souls. But in this context of universal emotions and global messages, I was wondering. How do brands interact with social media? Aren't they the perfect space for allowing a message to travel all around the world? I think what has changed is this、um, this emphasis on sharing. Here's Angeliki again. For advertising, it's become a very important,、uh, I guess, metric of of success to create an ad and disseminate it on social media and getting the ad shared. Because you know when it's shared, it's really viral. So it's a lot of shares. It can spread to a lot of people without cost, no cost at all. And also, it's more credible when other consumers share it rather than you see it like an online ad where you okay, this is an ad. But if you see your friend talking about it on social media, it has a different, you know, a stronger credibility. So sharing has become really important. And there's been research and、uh, advertiser.、Uh, Are really interested in in what drives the sharing, and emotions have been found to drive the sharing. So, if we use high arousal, positive emotions in ads, consumers will share them. So, this has changed advertising in the context of social media, trying to be a human in social media. So, using emotions, storytelling, providing useful information,、uh, giving advice, sometimes life advice, sometimes product category advice. Coaching, acting—you know, like as a person, as a father, as a coach, as a counselor on social media. So representing the brand that way, in order to build, you know, and emotions are a big part of it. But as we've seen with Annie, even if a brand wants to share a universal emotion, specific cultural contexts are impossible to avoid. 
we have cultures that are more collective or more individualistic. Like Spain is a very collective culture, the group, family, uh, belonging in a group, valuing the group more than yourself is very important. Whereas like the United States were very individualistic, like progress and success and standing out. And then you have cultures where there's strong inequality between people, like, for example, gender or hierarchy, like social hierarchy, whether you're rich or you're poor or uh, within the family, also parental, like kids should respect their parents at all costs. These are two dimensions that are commonly used in research in terms of culture, and they also influence advertising. Making ads really personally relevant to each consumer, really trying to identify what the needs of a specific person are, and making an ad for that specific person. This is where advertising is going, and being more specific in that sense on an emotional level to this specific person. We make choices in life. Our choices, as our emotions, influence uh, our decision making, and that's why they're also very important in advertising. Ultimately, as much as there can be step-by-step -step guides to market a product to a different culture, it's never a cut-and-dried process. No campaign is ever guaranteed to be successful. And honestly, there's always a bit of luck involved. Because at the end of the day, we're dealing with emotions. And as we've learned, emotions can be difficult to tap into. But once you do, they're powerful. And a particularly powerful one is childhood nostalgia. Hot Wheels Vipers Strike! Take Hot Wheels commercials, for example. They sold racetracks with electric guitar solos, with a belting hard rock voice singing about how fast and thrilling they were, all while watching computer animated cars flying, shooting flames, and being devoured by serpents. And when I was eight, I couldn't think of anything more awesome than that. Now I watch these commercials and they honestly feel pretty silly. Not to mention the fact that they're so heavily marketed towards boys specifically, and they were essentially forming my early ideas of masculinity without me knowing it. But you know what? As much as I can watch these commercials much more critically now, they still manage to hit that nostalgia sweet spot. Whenever I see the Hot Wheels logo, I can almost sing their Spanish language slogan in my head. Marca el camino! They might not make me buy the toy anymore, but they certainly make me wish I was a kid again. At least for a little while. And that's a feeling basically everyone can relate to. In any language. Thank you for listening to Atlas Lingue. With this episode, we wrap up our series on translation. We're taking a short break, but don't worry. We'll be back soon with a series of brand new episodes about the ways we communicate beyond words. Stay tuned for more information. If you're new to the series, catch up with our previous episodes. I am Luis Lopez, and it has been a pleasure to accompany you on this journey. Special thanks to our guests, Angeliki Nikolinako, Wendy Pease, and Annie Penkui. 
Production and theme by Studio Ochenta. Sound design by Chiara Santella. Senior producer, Glitzia Sala. Assistant producers, Haley Choi, Leo Ibanez, Leia Zipstein, and Clark Marchese. For more information on Atlas Lingue, a Studio Ochenta original series and podcast, visit ochentastudio.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ochenta Podcasts. Our podcast is available on CastBox, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, it's Luis again, and I'd like to... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let you know about another show you might like, Shadow Realm. If you enjoy Atlas Lingue, then you'll love this magical coming-of-age tale. 15-year-old Arya falls through a fault in the earth and finds himself in the world of the Ramayana. He must battle ancient demons to return home and face his own. The first season is available now, so join Arya's adventure today by subscribing and listening to Shadow Realm wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, please check out www.theariachronicles.com. That's www.theariachronicles.com. Hi! It's Luis here, and I want to tell you about a show we've been listening to called The Pulso Podcast. There are a lot of podcasts that cover Latino culture and news, but this is one of the first we've heard that really utilizes the throughline of history to provide more context and nuance to our stories. From the halls of Congress to the stages of Broadway, even the food we consider to be American, Latinos helped build this country. And we're not going anywhere. Yet most podcasts are still lacking Latino representation behind and in front of the mic. The Pulso Podcast is a Latina-hosted, Latina-produced show that explores untold stories and unheard voices shaping the experiences of nuestra gente. They've covered topics from beauty standards and gender equality to mental health and food origins. And did you know that there is an official Spanish version of the Star-Spangled Banner? Or that a team of Mexican lawyers changed the future of segregation laws in the 50s? To hear more, check out the Pulso podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.